Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Podcast and this is my Shmuel Tenenhaus. I am so happy that you're here. Truly, truly, I'm very happy. Now, you may or may not have noticed that sometimes, most of the time, we start off with the mikvah song. And we cannot listen to music because bad things could happen to you if you listen to music. So we have no music. However, do not worry. I wrote a little song for everybody. It's a cappella and there's no beats. Also, I can't find anybody who would want to uh, do this in tandem with me. Um, it is a song uh, that is uh, often sung to me by my children. And it involves the use of my phone, which they seem to enjoy more than they enjoy me. Uh, it goes like this. Can I use your phone? Can I use your phone? I need electronics. I need electronics. Do you have Instagram? Do you have Instagram? Do you have Snapchat? Do you have Snapchat? Give me your phone. Give me your phone. Can I use your phone? Can I use your phone? He already had 10 minutes. He already had 10 minutes. Now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. I want to get this game. I want to get this game. Can you swipe this finger? Can you swipe this finger? Anyways, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That is my acapella song for this Cholamoid called Can I Use Your Phone? Um, uh, perhaps we will have to release it as a single, but uh, who knows? Who knows what will be? So uh, there's a lot of information uh, to discuss here. And uh, I'm going to try to go over everything uh, while we do. Uh, and again, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, this is uh, the Shmuel Tenenhaus House podcast. Uh, I am podcast. And this is my very own Shmuel Tenenhaus. House. So uh, the first thing is uh, the mask mandates were lifted. And normally I, I try not to talk much about politics uh, on this podcast because uh, it is boring and trivial, and uh, but this is very big news. Now, I'm very excited that we don't have to wear masks anymore, uh, particularly on airplanes uh, and uh, other places where people wear masks. Uh, but uh, I am a little concerned because uh, now where I go to Shul, there were people that were very, very machmer, where they were very, very strict, and it wore masks all the time. Now that they don't have to wear it on planes, there are people rocking up the shoal. They are no longer wearing their masks. Now, that is a problem because uh, I understand if you weren't wearing a mask up until now, we've been used to your germs in the ecosphere in our, in our synagogue. But if you were not uh, coming unmasked to shoal, you were wearing a mask. And now you're not concerned and you're taking the mask off. I don't know if it's safe for you or for everybody that's there just because uh, your immune system is uh, weaker than the rest of ours because uh, you've been masked up and uh, just more careful. And um, there's just new pathogens that have been going around and uh, different variants. And uh, like we, I mean, we flattened the curve. Things, things are going okay. Uh, so uh, I do propose uh, the following compromise, that 
if you were not wearing a mask in shul in other uh, public uh, private places public places uh, when 2022 started then you can uh, continue the year but if uh, the cutoff period is 2022 but if you went into 2022 like the first week of january and you were still uh, wearing a mask then uh, my uh, i propose uh, you keep it on through 2022. Let's just get through these next couple of months. Uh, again, leave things as is. We don't want to rock the boat. Uh, and then in 2023, I think that would be a fair time. But uh, otherwise, just to yank your mask off now, I do think uh, it is a little irresponsible. Uh, and uh, I think we should just be uh, more sensitive and a little more careful. Uh, so... Uh, let's talk about Pesach, Passover. They're both kind of the same thing. And uh, some notes about my experiences. So first of all, uh, before uh, Pesach, I had a couple things I had to do. I had to get a haircut because um, you can't, uh, no haircuts. And uh, so I also had to get uh, pants uh, because you need, you need Yantiv pants, you need Shabbos pants. Uh, the other ones, there were stains all over places. Some of them, some of the places were sensitive areas. Some of them were not sensitive areas. Uh, and it's not alluding to anything. It just, you know, pants get dirty. And uh, so I went to the mall and uh, I pre-ordered some pants online from Banana Republic. Now, when I go, when I went to the mall in Aventura here, uh, which is uh, about the size of Brooklyn uh, or Manhattan, that's what the, the, the Aventura Mall is, I actually parked and had to walk through Macy's uh, to get to Banana Republic. And uh, I don't know if you can relate, but uh, it felt very uh, uncomfortable and awkward to take advantage of Macy's and use them as a shortcut uh, to get to Banana Republic. And I know Macy's potentially benefits from the foot traffic, but I was clearly not. Uh, I almost felt like just walking over to a store rep and being like, hey, listen, is it okay if I just walk through here and get my stuff from Banana? Like, I kind of knew that they knew that I, I wasn't serious about the Macy's experience. Uh, in general, Macy's, and I'll say the same thing for department stores, uh, it's one of those things like you're in a hospice, the people there don't know yet that it's over, but it's, re- it's over. Like everybody has known for years that it's over, and uh, it's 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 eerily quiet, uh, almost like a cemetery, uh, and uh, you always wonder: is just any bodies buried uh, under the racks of clothing that that they have there, which would be another great revenue stream uh, for Macy's, and uh, you know if. I do feel that if I'll ever be confronted by uh, a Macy's or a Sears or JCPenney employee to be like, hey, what are you, what are you walking through our stores to get to the younger stores? Uh, I will tell them, hey, sir, please uh, shut your mouth. I'm just here to drop off my Amazon returns. Uh, ouch. Uh, which is kind of crazy that the department stores, what's keeping them alive right now is the fact that you can drop off your Amazon returns at some of these places. And I, I don't quite get it because that seems to be uh, like putting salt on the wound. Uh, that is if it's, it's similar to if somebody uh, came home and 
their wife was having an affair with another man and they were like, hey, you, you got to leave this relationship. We found another man that's better. But if you want to come here and, and do the lawn over the weekends, uh, we'll pay you, you know, eight, nine dollars to do it. That's kind of what it feels like that Amazon put these department stores uh, pretty much out of business and they're hanging on just uh, to get Amazon returns there. Uh, very interesting experience. Uh, so uh, with Pesach. So Pesach is now over. Uh, when Pesach time is over, it's almost like a season, and I go back into the real world. It is as if I have been released from like a time capsule. My eyes are still blurry. My body feels uh, all out of sorts because uh, I haven't been to the, to the gym in, in some time. Uh, and, uh, you know, go out there just, you know, making sure that the world is still the same. Kind of when I go back into the real world after Pesach, it kind of feels like uh, I, we were Nayach in the ark, and now there's the dove and the raven going outside quickly to hop a bag of pretzels, come back in, make sure everything is safe, uh, venture back out, uh, get something else. So, uh, some, some things to share. Uh, I basically wrote up all uh, my uh, interesting things that I did over Pesach and uh, the least interesting things. And I want to share, obviously, uh, the things that I find uh, least interesting because uh, I get a kick out of it. So uh, the first day of Cholamite, we I had a calling. Uh, it was instinctive. And we went to Dream Mall. I think that's what it's called. Maybe Dream Mall of America or American Dream Mall. It is in New Jersey. And uh, it, it was a very cliche thing to do. And again, uh, I do have a neshama, I have a soul, and I was being pulled there. And uh, I will just say that what I learned at going to the Dream Mall is that um, uh, tens of thousands of other Jews had that same idea that morning. That's the first thing I realized. The second thing I realized is uh, not every Orthodox Jew has moved to South Florida. There are uh, tens of thousands that are still there uh, and they congregate in that dream mall uh, during Cholomite. And the third thing is, uh, just based on the turnout there of uh, Orthodox Jews in the mall, it seemed like there was somebody going through Jewish communities with a bullhorn uh, going, everybody get your uh, jasses out of your house. Everybody's going to Dream Mall today for Cholamite. Uh If we get 10,000 people in there today, parking is free. But there's like a group on. But 10, we need all 10,000 of you. Uh, and uh, that's kind of what happened. Uh, when I was there also, there was, a, I would say, probably the highest um, HBO to uh, square feet uh, percentage uh, ever in that mall or probably ever under doors. Uh, HBO obviously standing for hard-boiled eggs. So the amount of hard-boiled eggs I saw in the circumference of the mall uh, was extraordinary. There are uh, uh, chicken farms, if, if, if there's such a thing, that do not even have that amount of uh, uh, hard-boiled eggs and uh, Tupperware. I actually, uh, one of the days when I was in New York, uh, I actually went to an aquarium, uh, which is also uh, in the, really in the spirit of the holidays, and I did bump into uh, some friend that I knew from yeshiva, and 
uh, I was like, hey, I will trade you uh, two Oberland cookie, Oberlander cookies uh, with a jam inside for some of your strawberries. And uh, if you can throw in a crouton there, uh, then, then, then you have yourself a deal. Otherwise, uh, this thing is not going to happen. Um, uh, some people, uh, actually nobody asked me why I didn't do a show. I guess it's just obvious. And uh, it all has to do with the fact that uh, uh, I didn't want to. Uh, uh, laziness. Also, I did not bring my microphone with me to New York. And you need a, you need a mic. That's how we get this uh, stellar quality here in the mic. But uh, the other thing is with uh, Chalamoid, uh, there is no uh, working. So you're not allowed to work or you're not supposed to work on Chalamoid. And uh, if you ask a rabbi, uh, which I, I did, uh, this is kind of the conversation. It was like, hey, uh, <coughs> I'm Shmuel from uh, <coughs> the Shmuel Tendon House podcast. Can I do, uh, can I do a chap a little work this Chalamoid? And uh, the person who I asked was like, eh. <coughs> I was like, uh, excuse me, um, I'm not sure if you heard what I was saying. Is it okay for me to just do a little couple of work, you know, just a couple, couple, couple things here and there, answer some emails? Uh, and the person who I asked was like, eh. <coughs> I was like, uh, <coughs> did you maybe have too much mat matzah or what's going on right now uh, in your digestive system? And uh, he was kind of, he didn't want to say no, but he really didn't want to say yes. So uh, what came out was, which basically, after further review, was basically, if there's a fire going on in your building, but you did not start the fire, then yeah, you can work. You call the fire department, pull off a, a fire extinguisher and put it out. But uh, basically, otherwise, uh, he said, eh, you're not, it's, it's not going to be successful. So yeah, so you, you can you can work, but yeah, it, it's not it's gonna it's gonna blow up in your face. So really, not a whole lot of incentive uh, to push things forward during during uh, during um, So uh, did not do that. Uh, before I forget, uh, I do want to mention that since launching uh, this podcast, I think it was episode five or six. A phenomenon has occurred in my house. And that is, uh, for the first time in my 12 years of marriage, my wife has started to laugh at my jokes. I will not say all of them, maybe one in 20, which is a huge improvement from the way uh, it was before having a podcast. And it's, there's a very simple logic here is my, uh, my wife, she is into brands. She likes brand names. She's not going to buy something off brand, except if it's for me from Target um, or some knockoff generic brand you know the fake tums that you get from cvs she will she does not like when i buy that she wants the brand so if there's a label then it's okay but it, if it's just untested and it's unchartered then no and i what's happening is because i now have a podcast so i'm a brand i'm a label uh not very popular one but it's possible that a few people have told my wife hey did you listen to your husband's podcast he's quite funny so now when I will do a joke at, at, you know, to her, to her uh, or uh, with her, she'll be like, ha, that's kind of funny. And uh, I think I'm picking up on uh, what, what the motivation is there. 
me just cross this off my list here because I wanted to insert that during uh, the podcast. Uh, before I forget, I do uh, want to do uh, an ad read, and that is um, if you are, uh, and again, if you are new to this podcast, shame on you. We've been around for uh, this is we're hitting the uh, the second part of the second season. Uh, been around here for for a while now, and uh, so about this ad. Uh, so we don't really have any sponsors, but uh, it's all about manifesting. And if we manifest uh, ad dollars, they, they will come to us at some point in time. And so uh, here is the ad. Um, has your house been uh, broken into? Uh, are you afraid uh, for your safety and for your family's safety? But at the same time, you do love and cherish your family but you do want to save a couple shekels in the process. Let me tell you about Simply Safe. Simply Safe is an alarm system that goes into your house. It'll keep your family safe, but at the same time, you can also save a bunch of shekels. And if you already have Simply Safe, you already know what I'm talking about. It comes in a box, you can install it by yourself, you can laugh at everybody who's paying for a regular, properly professionally installed alarm system, which is dependable. But with Simply Safe, it's simple. It's safe, and if you open up, uh, for all my Jewish listeners, if you open up the instructions when you order the Simply Safe box, it'll say, uh, step number one, uh, call your non-Jewish friend to help you install Simply Safe. So, anyways, go to simplysafe.com. It'll keep your family safe, uh, or it might not because you may not be able to install it. But really, the important part is, it'll keep. The few extra dollars that you're saving on not, again, getting a professional system installed, safe in your bank. So you, your family is like 80, maybe 80, 85% safe or 90% safe. So go to simplysafe.com forward slash the Shmuel Tenant House podcast. Uh, drop my uh, podcast name, which is the Shmuel Tenant House podcast, into the coupon box if there is such a thing on their website. And... Uh, it's gonna be wonderful, and you may even save 20, 30% on top of the additional savings that you're already getting on the safety and security of your family. Uh, great, great opportunity, great brand right there. Okay, uh, so moving right along. While I was uh, in New York, there was a close friend of mine who I saw for the first time wearing a kapata. That is a like a cloak type garb um, for my friend Larry, who was on the podcast, uh, a honorable non-Jewish listener who sometimes will ask me, uh, did you just say a woman's name is Ruffle? And I was like, no, dude, it's Ruffle, Ruffle. So uh, I'm doing some uh, J-splaining here. So kapata is like a, one of those Jewish coats that you see. So a friend of mine was wearing one of these traditional uh, cloaks and uh, I was like at first I was like dude I'm so impressed you're adhering to this uh, tradition of just walking around with a, with a wool black coat good for you uh, and then at some point in time I realized wait a second I don't know if you have a pot belly anymore. 
or if you're just letting yourself go because you got that cloak and you're garbed in it right now and I can't tell what's going on with your body if you've been to the gym for the last six months or not. So I started wondering like, is this like, uh, are we going back to the basics or this is just a, a very clever ruse uh, just to, to not have to take responsibility about our bodies there. Um, and then, uh, and so uh, great, great for him for, for whatever reason, uh, he was wearing uh, his kapata, and uh, I, we did have this idea on the spot, which was uh, there ought to be uh, shapewear for men, especially which in the Jewish community, uh, if they're eating all this food during the holidays. Uh, and uh, so you can get, uh, you know, you can walk into, let's say, kapata store and be like, hey, can I have the, uh, <clears throat> the uh, kapata pek? And that is the kapata which will uh, make your pecs look like they're like bursting right out of uh, your kapata. So kapata shapewear coming soon to store next to you. Uh, use the Shmuel Tenenau's podcast uh, thing if there is such a store and a product that comes out and uh, they better give me uh, some discount for that. So uh, another thing that happened. So uh, for people not very familiar, uh, in India, there's a caste system, uh, classes of people, and uh, there is definitely that sort of thing going on within the Jewish community. It's not really talked about, but uh, there is like, you have uh, families that have lots and lots of money. Uh, usually one senior member was lucky to inherit a lot of real estate from his grandfather, and uh, they will take everybody to a Pesach program, and he is the patriarch and the oligarch of the family. And he brings everybody there for you know a quarter million dollars. And when the grandkids say Manashtana, they they look at him because he's the sponsor of the evening. That that's one group of people. And then uh, you have kind of way lower on the caste system uh, people like myself. I was in my in-laws basement. Uh, one of my friends who was at this program actually uh, had the gall to text me, "Hey, uh, there's going to be a Moshav concert here in 10 minutes." And uh, like I am in the basement, he's in San Diego uh, about to get a live concert. I, in the basement that I'm in, I actually hear uh, the rats wrestling in the wall against each other. Uh, and uh, I can't even put on music uh, just because it's, it's Chalamoid. And then uh, you have also people fly to different countries. Uh, uh, you have people who are not even in a single location. They'll be the first days and the second days. Uh, so there is a, so there's a, there's a caste system going on. Uh, let's just acknowledge it. So now, because I was, I think it was because I was sleeping in a basement and maybe the window was open uh, to get some air um, from the people's shoes as they're walking by over my head because I'm uh, below the ground. And uh, my face got really dry and I don't again maybe it has to do with there were maybe the allergies and then the cherry blossoms going on I don't know what it was uh, maybe my face just wanted to take on the appearance of, 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 a, of a piece of matzah during during the holiday season but my face got super dry and uh, I did something I never did, never never I've done before which was I used some of my wife's um, face moisturizer 
And let me just tell you something. It was mind-blowing. It was a really good experience. I'm embarrassed to say my wife has been asking me for a long time, please do something about your face. And I never have. But uh, this is, this is a, a game changer. There's, there's all types of them learning now, but my face was soft. It's just been a whole uh, trans, uh, transition for me in terms of uh, my skin is softer. After I put on the moisturizer, um, I found myself uh, just gravitating towards uh, chick flicks on Netflix uh, and other kind of things that I think women would do. Uh, if I may uh, so stereotype and uh, anyways very very interesting experience I, I have to go there's just a lot a lot to say here but uh, guys if you're in if you're in the you know the bathroom and or you're in wherever your wife keeps the moisturizer you don't have to tell her anything I, I would just take a little put it on very smooth very very nice feeling very nice feeling um, uh, I highly recommend it. Okay, uh, so now uh, talk about something a little, um, uh, <clears throat> a little uncomfortable, and that is that uh, as much as I have non-Jewish friends and colleagues, and I like to level with them and be open and transparent about my religion and the ups and the downs and my social life, there are things that I can never, ever explain to them. It will never make sense. We will never able to, we will never be able to bridge that gap. And uh, that is, uh, uh, that is gebrachs. Like I will never be able to explain to my friends, we're not Jewish, what is gebrachs? And it's such a thing that I love. I love gebrachs. Everybody loves gebrachs. We look forward to gebrachs. But it's, I'll never be able to, first of all, they will never be able to pronounce it. Nobody uh, will ever be able to pronounce gebrachs. So they can't really even ask me what it is because th they have no way to even repeat it back to me. And I dare anybody who is not of the Jewish faith to try to come back to me and be like, dude, hey, what, what is gebrachs? Well, the second thing is that it, there, there are just, it's thousands of years to be able to explain to you the joy, to be able to put uh, some of the guacamole on the matzah after seven days of not doing it uh, and eating it, eating matzah straight, you know, the first seven days, eating it straight from one of those uh, puke bags from an airplane just because <clears throat> a crumb can fall onto a mouse who will transport that crumb to a different mouse who has a water bottle. The water bottle can mate with that crumb and things can happen. So to be able to explain the novelty of, of Gabrachs, it's it just, and that's just one of the things that it, I'll, I'll never be able to do it. Um, so another thing is that uh, with uh, the eighth day of Pesach, there is this excitement, this build-up momentum, like we're going places, we're about to be released from this holiday of freedom. 
and uh, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where do you think you're going? You're trying to run at a shoulder. It's like, wait a second. You're not going anywhere. There's a Mashiach Suda right now. Sit back down. You have to drink now four cups of wine, a lot of mitzvah, a lot of matzah, sorry. And you got to do all the nagunim, all of them, slowly. And when that's over, and that could go way past shkia time, then when that is finished, we're going to go outside, we're going to do Kiddush Levana. It's not the right time of the month to sanctify the moon, but we see everyone's really antsy now to start pulling off tinfoil from the counters. No, 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 no. Sit back down right now. Have four cups, have some matzah, have a hard-boiled egg. We have a couple left over from the mall. Sing a bunch of songs. We want more speeches, more dvarteras. Then when you're finished, we can do Kiddush Levana. There's going to be some singing. There'll be a Kaddish. After the Kaddish, we're going to get together, do one one more Kaddish. We'll put on uh, a video in the shul. Uh, we'll do a Kaddish right after that video. And then, then everybody can go home. And at that point, uh, anybody who's observed Pesach for eight days uh, is thinking uh, the following things in their head. Tomato sauce, wheat, cheese. I need tomato sauce, wheat, and cheese. They don't even have to be cooked uh, or melted together. Uh, there's just uh, there's just a thing about having uh, those three things uh, together as a team, working together uh, uh, to dispel and to remove all remnants of Pesach. Um, now, uh, I mentioned before about avoiding uh, politics, but particularly for uh, my friends who are have a moral compass, are very nervous about the state of Florida, uh, not exactly sure what to do now uh, with uh, their Teslas uh, because of the whole Twitter thing. I do want to uh, double down on uh, DeSantis' watch where I try to uh, raise alarming things uh, that DeSantis is doing, one, to the state of Florida, and two, uh, to the United States. Uh, and that is, uh, uh, in an effort, I don't know if it's to, to appeal to his base or just uh, to poke, poke the bear, I don't know who the bear is, uh, DeSantis has proposed sending a bill to the people who vote on bills about banning uh, the actual letters L. G, B, T, and Q in, in the state of Florida. Uh, and that would actually turn this into Florida. We are Florida because the L is promoting 
LBGTQ, and uh, that can happen. Uh, even the letters T from LGBTQ are out. So it's the say of Florida. I am broadcasting live to you from the state of Florida. Uh, in general, I don't know why people are freaking out about uh, Disney and all their content because, uh, for example, now uh, my wife and I have to, at some point in time, have a conversation with uh, our child about um, the birds and the bees. And the fact that there is uh, a multi-billion dollar company that's been in the, in, in, in the entertainment space for years is a trusted brand. Uh, the fact that they can do that uh, with all the latest uh, happenings and they could educate my kid uh, and, and remove uh, that burden from my wife and I so we don't have to have an uh, uncomfortable conversation. Uh, we just have to get Disney Plus and then our kids will know everything that they need to know. Uh, that's, ap that's appealing to me. Um, while we are uh, talking about uh, Disney Plus, I do want to say I was feeling uh, very despondent just about my lack of listeners, traction, momentum, all that good stuff uh, that happens uh, when you launch uh, a, a a podcast. Uh, and uh, I don't feel as bad now just because I do know that based on my stats, uh, I have way more listeners than um, CNN uh, Plus ever, ever had. And uh, I just thought I'd uh, people are like, what? CNN Plus? What is that? It just, things move so fast. Uh, another thing that uh, I don't want to cause too much alarm or panic is, and, and nobody's really making a big deal about this, uh, is that uh, Netflix has announced that they will be cracking down on password sharing. To me, and I, I don't want to be... Uh, a, a doomsayer, this could lead to the next uh, civil war, uh, just in terms of families really going at it. Because we do know that there's one person in the families paying, everybody else has their profiles on there. And uh, I'm just telling you, I'm, this, this is coming, this is happening. I would make whatever alliances you need to make with your family to make sure that you're on the up and up uh, but I highly encourage everybody uh, to uh, have a backup plan or just binge to the point where when there is that crackdown, uh, you have so much TV in your system that you can just uh, let it ride uh, for a couple of months. Um, so now uh, we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the M-Train. Uh, for, for those of you who are not familiar with the M-Train, uh, the M-Train is uh, all about this miracle drug called melatonin. And uh, it is a staple in many households. And uh, basically, you give it to your kids uh, if you don't want them to, to wake up or come to your room during the night. Like if you don't <clears throat> really want to 
see them after bedtime until the morning. Uh, uh, basically, all aboard uh, the M train. And uh, I do have an ethical question to ask, which is um, now that it's out in the open and people know uh, about melatonin, uh, is it uh, ethical not to give your children uh, melatonin? Because we know it helps them sleep all the time. And also, uh, like, how early after they come home from school is it appropriate to give them melatonin? Like, if you had a really rough day at work and the kids come home, you'd be like, hey, hey, here's a cup of orange juice. Uh, uh, then there's no, there's no uh, drug or agent inside of here that, could, that can make you really sleepy. Here, here, have, have some. And then the kid is just basically sleeping, uh, and you and your wife uh, or your spouse, if it's a wife or if it's a husband or if it's nobody, if you're a single parent, you basically have to p- put the kid on your shoulders and uh, you know, put him down on the couch. Uh, and, I, and I just wonder, at some point in time, they right now say if you give like uh, three drops, if they weigh 50 pounds, and if they weigh 100 pounds, uh, Maybe you're feeding them too much if they're if they're three years old, and I don't know if they have why they have to put that commentary on the back of the melatonin. There's so much so little space there. Why do they have to comment about the kid's weight? And then they're like, if you know, but at some point in time, when is the label going to be like, hey, hey guys, if you and your spouse or you guys just want to sleep in until eleven, I, I would suggest two teaspoons. Um, if you really don't want to do anything on Sunday, you guys are too cheap to go out, I would recommend uh, a teaspoon now. Then you wake them up middle of the night, give them another teaspoon. Uh, that should get to you guys uh, through the afternoon if you really want. He'll still be a little hazy. Uh, it's almost like the kids, it's almost like uh, the kids now are like uh, enemies of the state of Russia where they have to make sure that there's nothing in their juice or their smoothies and they, you know, my kids are getting smarter. Like I will give them a smoothie now. They're like, no, no, you, you taste it first. Yeah, yeah, let's see you taste it. So they are definitely, definitely catching up to this. So uh, now I wanted to talk about uh, two last things, uh, very uh, morose in, t- in topic. And uh, they, these uh, could uh, bring out some feelings of, uh, not just melancholy, but we just uh i have to i have to go there um so uh the first is uh number one uh i do think that uh we do have fast days uh you know yom kippur and tishabov and the 17th of tom there's 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 a but i i do think uh the Muslims, the 40 days of Ramadan, I think it's a, it, I think it's a much better system than we have going on. Because if you look at all, there's a lot of overweight Jews. You guys know exactly who you are. Uh, you're laughing right now. And some of the folds that you have on your, on your bodies are kind of like bouncing up and down right now. There, there's a lot of obesity within our community. And I, and I do think that uh, the Jewish community adopting some form of 
uh, Ramadan for 40 days because the one day in, one day out, I, I don't, but the 40 days is consistent. Uh, so I, I really uh, give it uh, to, to the Muslim faith for having that. And I do think it's something that could be incorporated uh, to the Jewish faith to deal with uh, obesity. And uh, uh, this remind me that uh, at some point in time, I started to think about all the commonalities our community has, the Orthodox Jewish community has with the Muslim community, particularly uh, the religious Muslim community. Uh, so let's see, got some he head coverings going on, got some facial hair. We got the kosher meat, which is halal. In fact, I one time had a uh, Muslim colleague that I worked with and uh, he was asking me about getting kosher turkeys for uh, Thanksgiving because kosher, I guess, is okay for halal too. Uh, swimming in the pool, I remember in Seattle, they were, the two groups that wanted to have separate swimming were the uh, Muslim women and the Jewish women. Then you have charter schools. Uh, so there are Muslim charter schools and then there are Jewish uh, charter schools. And there is, uh, there's mosques and there's prayers uh, a couple times a day. And I've seen Muslims praying in the airport when I'm praying uh, in the airport. So uh, oddly enough, uh, there is so much overlap between uh, the groups. Uh, and uh, so I had this idea that uh, to create an organization that would just create like basketball games and uh, brethrenship between the Orthodox Jewish community as the, and the Muslim community. Because for whatever reason, um, uh, I know that Jews and Muslims uh, definitely don't agree, or for the most part, many don't agree on, let's say, things like Israel. But there are a lot of people who are Jewish that are to the left that don't agree with me about Israel. So I can still be their friends. And uh, I also think uh, that there is so much more that an Orthodox Jew and an Orthodox Muslim have in common in the United States uh, than things that they differ on. Meaning uh, there is more similar ground, then there are things that they disagree with. And it would be very interesting from a community standpoint if uh, these communities that have so much common ground would actually work together uh, on things. Anyways, I one time made this suggestion to a friend of mine and told him, hey, this is something that I'm passionate about. I think it would be such a cool thing to do. Uh, and when I told it to him, uh, he got really quiet. And uh, I think he had this uh, look on his face like, oh, Shmuel needs help. Uh, Shmuel needs help really bad. But um, I, I am tempted to uh, either walk into a mosque or call a mosque and uh, p pitch them this idea. And I will get back to you on how it goes. But I, again, I do think there's the circumcision thing. There's just so many things. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, that would be a, a great initiative. And uh, so, uh, while we're, uh, I just want to mention a, a public service announcement just a little is that, uh, again, uh, another thing that I was thinking about in this, uh, in this line of thought, uh, uh, which I would categorize as maybe a little openness or out of the box, or some would say dangerous. Uh, and so we, uh, Israel, there's got, Israel is a tiny little country in the Mideast, surrounded by much larger countries, and there's always an existential threat. Um, and I don't even know what the word existential means, I'll be honest with you. I just throw it in every once in a while uh, so that I sound more intelligent than I am. So there is this existential threat to Israel. Lots of countries want to attack it. Uh, Jared Kushner tried to make uh, peace deals uh, with uh, some countries. And, uh, and that, that's, it's, it's, it, there have been wars. There's been the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War. There are different wars. And these are uh, external threats. And sometimes, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you have terrorism within Israel too. But I was also thinking that there is uh, another threat uh, to the well-being of Jews in Israel that comes from within. And, uh, and that basically is uh, every fourth or third store within Israel, uh, they sell ice cream, Chol Yisrael, uh, kosher dairy ice cream, and not just uh, little ice cream on a stick. They are very fancy looking. I haven't been to Israel for, for many years. Um, but I do recall from being there, my most exciting thing was that you go to a gas station and buy dairy ice cream there. And they're, they're nice looking. They are good, not Ben and Jerry's, because uh, maybe they don't sell, or there's a whole issue, or maybe they do sell in Israel proper. But there's a lot of these Tanuva, these great brands that are, they could beat the socks off anything that you'll get from a, an ice cream store and it's on a stick and it's covered in plastic the thing is you can go into any stores and buy all this at any time and guess what people do it all the time while they're there uh, particularly tourists American tourists and I'm just thinking with the amount of uh, Crohn's disease that we have in the Jewish community and uh, you have things like diabetes and you have uh, nobody's really lactose tolerant in the community uh, so, uh, basically, this ice cream within Israel is killing everybody uh, from, from within. So, uh, just uh, some things to, th to think about. And I don't mean to make light about, uh, you know, the existential threat that does exist in the existentialism of the existential kite, of the existential threats, but at the same time, there is an internal existential threat that is coming from the existential ice cream, which you can buy, Chol Yisrael, dairy, uh, if you have Crohn's disease, basically, they're selling it. Anybody with a jacket in Israel will open up a jacket. They have a little mini cooler there, and they will sell you ice cream. We need to be more safe. And now, as this, uh, the Shmuel Tendenos podcast uh, comes to an abrupt end, I do want to leave you with a theory that I heard many years ago. Um, and it was mentioned to me by uh, a dear cousin. We had this conversation. 
And this is, uh, I refer to as uh, dance theory. And uh, I'm wondering if anybody out there has heard of it or if this is the first time, let me share it with you. Uh, and the theory is that uh, within Judaism, there are 613 commandments. There's 248 positive ones, 365 negative ones. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, there's gebrochs, but that, that is a whole... That's a whole library unto itself. Uh, so you have the 613. There are also some rabbinical mitzvahs. There are seven of them. So we have a lot of them. And uh, the uh, people who have codified Jewish law have, you know, you know, kind of, they could associate all of them with uh, the Ten Commandments or the first two commandments. Like all the positive come from, you know, all the positive commandments is from the first commandment. And all the negative ones is from the second of the Ten Commandments. But I digress uh, from this existential, existentialism conversation uh, to, to, to go back to my point. What is my point? I don't know what my point is. No, no, I do have a point here. Really, I do. Uh, so so the, the way this theory works is what is behind all the motivation of all the mitzvahs? and all the Averis and all the commandments, what is the overarching glue that is the real motivation behind everything in all of Judaism that we know of? So I uh, posit the theory, or it's not my own, again, I've heard it from others, is that uh, all commandments, positive and negative, are there to prevent the outbreak of mixed dancing. So there you have it. Uh, if there was a diagram uh, and you would have you know, 613 branches in the middle at the epicenter, right there, the nucleus, all roads lead back to mixed dancing, meaning if you will do one of these forbidden things, ultimately, one thing will lead to the other, and at the end of the path, there could be mixed dancing. Uh, and I'm going to walk you through a couple scenarios so uh, you can crystallize this idea in your head and you can debate over it uh, in shul, preferably uh, during uh, the reading of the Torah. Uh, in defiance of somebody sitting next to you try, trying their hardest uh, to listen uh, and be a better person than you are, obviously, because they're listening and you're not listening, so they are better. Um, so uh, one tiny digression, and then we're going to get right back to this. I know we're, we're getting to some good pieces, but I just want to say when I go to shul, the first thing I do, especially if it's a shul that I've never been there, is I want to sit next to uh, a surgeon, particularly a heart surgeon, because if my kids come to me with candy wrappers that have letters that I don't want to tear on Shabbos, if I'm sitting next to a heart surgeon, I'd be like, hey, hey, dude, can you, do you mind just, my kid has this candy. I know you're a surgeon, and I know you deal with, like, really valves and, and, and stuff like that. Just open this candy. Um, because if I'm, if I'm going to hell, I, I, the last thing I want it to be over is a Laffy Taffy. Like, I don't want to be like, this guy gave charity. He, he had a a podcast and 
but look at Exhibit A. This is this is a Laffy Taffy joke, and and look at look at the answer. It just it just torn right there, in like like a beast ripped it like a Vildechaya during Shabbos. Uh, if I cannot find uh, a heart surgeon to sit next to in Shul, I will seek out a bomb detonator because I did watch Hurt Locker. Uh, they are very good with tiny little tire uh, wires and making things make sure that they don't blow up. And so I'll be like, hey, I know I know you uh, you were uh, deployed in Iraq and you were detonating these bombs. Please, uh, my kid has this uh, candy wrapper, which uh, for whatever reason is almost impossible to open up on Shabbos without uh, committing seven to ten uh, laws do me a favor. Can you just open it up so the letters don't break? Okay, so now now back to uh, the conversation uh, of the mixed uh, dancing theory. And that is that, so how everything stems from mixed dancing. So let's let's start with the Ten Commandments. You have uh, uh, thou shall not steal, which is actually kidnapping, but let's say uh, stealing anything. The problem with stealing, obviously, you can't steal. That's like a regular law. The, the real problem is that if you steal, right, you will take your earnings, the money that you stole, uh, put some in the bank, take some have with you in your pocket. You could end up visiting a pub. And uh, out of the joy that you now have with this excess cash in your pocket, uh, you will uh, drop a quarter in that jukebox. A song will go on. And you know where this goes to. Uh, somebody else could be there. You can get up, start dancing, and one thing will lead to the next, and it'll lead to mixed dancing. So as you see, stealing, eh, it's on the exterior. But again, the real fear is the mixed dancing. Uh, next, murder. Again, somebody uh, doesn't like somebody else. He murders them. Uh, this doesn't happen. I'm saying it so casually. I, it, that's not how, who I am. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying it as if, if, as, as if like this is what happens. So he murders the other person. Uh, now he's he's guilt ridden. Uh, so what does he do? He goes uh, to like a general store. He buys a six pack of beer. There's a little people congregating outside. There's m- music blasting from the speakers. He has four or five beers, then he gets up, and he has numbed the pain, and he, again, what does he do? He starts dancing. There's another woman outside. She's intoxicated. She starts dancing. What ends up happening is the dancing is now mixed. So, as you see, murder can lead, God forbid, to mixed dancing. Another thing, adultery, thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, God-given commandment. But the issue is that a person could commit adultery, but the people who committed adultery will enjoy their company so much that perhaps on one of their evenings out, after committing adultery, they will go to an opera, they will go to a dance, and then engage in mixed dancing. Now, there are those who are listening to this and going, first of all, this guy's a complete apicarist. I'm just sharing a theory, okay? The second thing is, is that we're, we're, 
this leads to is the next question, which is what is so bad with mixed dancing? Like what is so wrong if people who identify their genders, right? Because if they don't, it may not be a, a mixed dancing scenario. But suppose you have people who have identified uh, on LinkedIn that they are he, him, she, her, right? What is so wrong if, it, if a she, her is dancing with a, a, a him, his? Like, what is so wrong with, with mixed dancing? And uh, the, the obvious answer, to me at least, is that the problem with mixed dancing is that if the people who are doing the mixed dancing really and truly appreciate and enjoy that experience of mixed dancing, that could, God forbid, lead to more mixed dancing because the original mixed dancing was so good that they will be like, hey, that, that was quite good. Let's go on to the mixed dancing. And so at the root of the mixed dancing issue is more uh, mixed dancing. And uh, with that, I wanted to uh, conclude uh, this podcast and uh, tell you that I, I love you all and I'm rooting for all of you. And... Uh, it's going to be great. I do actually have some guests lined up. This is true. I just didn't have time to uh, reel them uh, into my, you know, give them a little uh, drink laced with melatonin, then just grab them and yank them into my garage and, and do a recording. But uh, I have two prominent guests that we will have on an upcoming show. Thank you very much. And I will see you. Or you will hear me next week. Thank you very much.